Hey there. Hello. Hi. Hey, brother. What's happening? How are you? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Um, doing well. It's nice. It's late here. You know, it's later than it is where you are. So I don't know if that means you're not drinking. I'm enjoying a beverage. Oh, yes. The day. Oh, yes. Cheers and to that. Next week, this time next week, I'll be in your time zone. That's right. I will have just arrived. I'm going to arrive on Wednesday and set up my computer and do the show with you. That's we're not going to miss a beat. We're not going to miss a beat, but we don't know what movie we're doing. We didn't talk. Oh, wait, no, let's, let's no. have it. Let's, let's have, have it. it. And while we're at it, let's also toast because it's a special day. There's another brother. There is another brother, a very important brother who yeah. will be joining us soon. So we're changing the uh, name of the show to to what's the name? What's the new name you were? The, brother, the brothers talk about food and movies. Okay. There you well, go. No, the brothers talk about movies. You're we're not gonna eat food anymore? We're gonna eat food, but we're gonna we're gonna rebrand we're gonna rebrand to just movies. Uh, I think the Arkin family is known more for movies than food. Okay. We don't have any restaurants. No. But uh yet. Okay. Well, as long as I can still snack and we can still chat about it. Oh but yeah, it's, it's Adam's birthday. On Happy top birthday, of Adam! Happy birthday to Adam! Yeah, the other brother, who will be joining us soon. Very soon, uh, not this show, but very soon. We've got a great picture of the three of us. Should we show that? Yeah, let's let's uh, let's bring that up. Um, what is happening here? This says this says it all. Uh, or I mean, it says so many things. It really it's hard to figure out what it's saying. It's a lot of but we're all laughing and having fun. <laughs> yeah, which is pretty typical which situation. Is, which is what really matters. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. I want to, to all of the the people watching right now. Uh, that you are free to join in on the chat, to ask questions, to make snarky comments. Tell us where you're from. Let us know where you're watching from, who the heck you are. And you can ask questions and make comments and, and be silly along with us as we talk about Nighthawks. This is going to be a very heavy discussion. Um, yeah. They usually are. For those of you who are new to this uh, and you are tuning in, we're going to talk about a movie called Nighthawks for the next hour or so. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there is a lot to say about this one. Um, and I don't know whether we should tell the stats first to set it up, I guess, like what the basics are and then play the trailer, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, you go right ahead. Because... Trailer says a lot. I mean, this is, okay, this is a this is a cop thriller, I would say, it's safe to say. Ostensibly. With some, some international espionage thrown in for good measure. Yeah. It's a early 80s, early. very typical 80s kind of styled movie. Starring Sylvester Stallone, 
Billy D. Williams, and uh, at this time uh, introducing Rutger Hauer in his first role in an American film. Yes. Uh, it is a New York set, uh, action-packed, uh, very you know, uh, very New York uh, typecasty kind of thing with a lot of foul language and chasing. Yeah, it's getting dark. I have to turn on the light because I realized I'm I'm starting to disappear. You are fine. I do. Oh, okay. I don't see any. I mean, you know, if I start to be in the dark, let me know. You look, uh, you look actually very pleasantly lit right now. I'd say. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's the film. Um, this movie has a reputation, and I it think does? why. What is the reputation? Uh, as quite something to see. <laughs> as a as a classic example of kind of renegade, uh, you know, early 80s New York gritty filmmaking of a grindhouse kind of nature. Yeah. This movie makes Garth Marenghi look like good, serious filmmaking. Wow, you're coming in strong, hot and heavy. My quote was this make this. Uh, what was my quote? I had it written down. It was a good one. You'll have to just believe me. It's like a bad bad episode of starsky and hutch yeah well i mean it's safe to say more stuff happens on a matlock episode i mean it really is not packed with stuff this movie no but it's packed with amazing amazing things amazing there's a lot of amazing and we can't really do more than i think we have to play the trailer to set the tone All right. the minute anyone sees this trailer they're gonna know what what's happening let's jump right in to the trailer here let me pull it up and here we go i haven't seen the trailer yet so i'm excited and enjoy Good reason to be you ready oh yeah is this trip business or pleasure pleasure Welcome to the United States. Amer Reinhardt, sometimes called Wolfgar. Born Frankfurt, Germany, 1946. Educated Paris and Patrice Lumumba University, Moscow. Currently self-employed. Occupation, international terrorist. You are to be indoctrinated counter-terrorist technique. Deke De Silva, age 35. Born and raised New York City. Honorable discharge, U.S. Army, 1972. 52 registered kills. Occupation, cop. to its knees and only one man can stop him Look 
Universal Pictures presents Sylvester Stallone in Nighthawks, coming in April. Wow. Uh, this film, I think this film was directed by a slap bass and it's, it's, it stars, it literally stars a pair of aviator sunglasses. Like that's the star. Those are the stars of the film. <laughs> it was, it was, I could not believe what I was watching. You'd never seen Nighthawks before. You're actually telling me you, you'd never seen it. I had never seen Nighthawks. I, I don't know really how you missed it. But... And I, I could not believe like there were times where we were watching where I thought maybe this movie is too bad even for us and our show. No, God, no. You, but, I, I'm going to, okay. Well, see, I don't know how to describe this because I, again, what would be the fun of only talking about films that, uh, Everybody good. already agreed. No, that everybody already agreed were great, classic, or, or good. Okay. I mean, if we so is, that, is that what we're doing here? We're going to convince people that this is a great classic. I'm going to make a case that this movie is essential viewing, whether it's good or not. Is oh, okay. All right. I mean, I, I I think that if you like, if you like, if you like a certain kind of attitude in in movies if you like a kind of grindhouse you know kind of movie and you're into a late night cult kind of vibe on a film this is yeah. one of the this is one of the great it's one of the greats okay i mean i don't know did you see i'm getting the feeling then we're gonna get deep because we'll talk about this movie we have a lot to discuss obviously. okay but then, right. there's, there's another thing because I, we need to frame maybe a little bit about how you like to watch movies because we've never really you know we've seen a lot of movies together but we have never for instance we didn't go to college together and hang out staying up watching crappy movies together having fun no i love a movie that is that kind of experience like a movie that can deliver a great night to as a couple of friends or a group of friends watching it and enjoy the, the energy of it there's some movies that are that are made like that that are really boring to watch, and this one right. is not boring at all. It's so entertaining to me. Well, but but there but for me, I mean, there are movies that are that are crappy in a great like that I still love. Guilty, but but what is that a crappy movie then? Why is it a crappy movie? What makes it a crappy movie, I guess, is the is the big question. Um I think well, I think something something along the lines of we're not gonna take this too seriously. We're just gonna have fun and 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 it's not gonna be a piece of art. It's gonna be, you know. Yeah. Like you talk about Grindhouse. So like what 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 what's the one with Kurt Russell and the the car, the well, that's actually Grindhouse. Grindhouse is the name yeah. of the movie. Yes. Okay. Death Proof. That's Death Proof. Death Proof. The whole movie is called Grindhouse, yeah. Okay, yeah. So Death Proof, um, they're, they're purposefully making that kind of movie. But when I watched this, I felt like they were trying to make... I don't think they were trying to make this movie. I, it, it seemed to me like they were trying to make a real... Yes, 
and fail. Which is why I love it. The movie that I think is crappy. No, hear me. This is really important, I think. Because the reason okay. I think a movie can only be crappy if it's clear that the people making it didn't care. And I see a lot of very expensive movies that are people spend a lot of money on are very talked about that it really does kind of feel like people just didn't really care that much about it right and a, a movie like this they care i really think they cared they they were working at the top of their ability and that ability might not have been so amazing okay that's what makes me a at little that's what makes me sad but that's what it, makes it so worth it because it's honest it's really honest, you know? Okay. okay. And, and it some of it's plays like a bad cop show, you know, obviously some of it's so ridiculously inadvertently funny, but I truly think that there's the spirit of trying to make a great action cop movie and it didn't really work. Yeah. Which now, to when me, did Serpico come out? Serpico, I believe, was like four or five years earlier than this. Serpico was, let me take a look here. Hold on. Uh, I should know that. I should be better at this. But I think Serpico, yeah, Serpico was actually quite a bit earlier. It was 73. Because they're, they seem to really be trying to pick up that vibe for the... Well... I've got a, I got some background on that. Uh, I don't know if you did, if you found out uh, where this came from, this whole thing. Did you, you didn't, you didn't care enough. You had a couple of scotches and you were like, I hate my brother. I can't, I don't want to talk to him. No, no, no. I would, I'm moving. I'm moving tomorrow. I understand. All right. Well, I, how can you how can you not love a movie where you you stop the, watching the movie and you're like, how did any of this happen? Like what's yeah, the mystery right. here? Like what, where did the money come from? Where did the money come from? And also, there are things in it like, there's I have finally found the bad guy that everybody is searching for, who's threatening the known universe. And I have to apprehend him. Well, at least he's threatening Roosevelt Island. Right. So I have to apprehend him, and I have found him in this disc attack. And since I'm seeing him, instead of instead of now surreptitiously walking around and coming up behind him, I will stand on a high platform and just stare at him until he notices me. Yeah, that's an, <laughs> it's amazingly inept undercover work in this film. <laughs> What's amazing about it, and well, there's a lot of great things. To me, the extraordinary thing was that there's there's like very little happens. Rutger Hauer comes here. Oh, oh man, the producer said they were aiming for Serpico meets Day of the Jackal. Uh, oh, I was I was right in picking up the Serpico vibe. Well, uh, that's true, uh, Peter. Hello, Peter. Uh, what's also true though, and what happened before all this was that the studios were trying to look for a reason to make French Connection 3. And they got this idea together. Well, I mean, this movie is like a remake of French Connection. I mean, it really is. It's like, it's like a grindhouse. 
Punch Connection is kind of grindhouse in itself, but I mean, it, they they pitched it to Gene Hackman, and Hackman said no, absolutely not, and then they tabled it for a while, and then they kind of re like pivoted and uh, decided to take the funds or the work that had gone into making French Connection three into Nighthawks, and then they used these other New York movies as a kind of inspiration. But the, I mean, it's really very very much a similar film it's just instead of drug dealers it's a it's a terrorist you know yeah so the idea is i mean we're getting ahead of ourselves stallone and billy d williams play two new york cops yes undercover cops who uh are going about their cop business and at the same time we cut back and forth to europe where rutger hauer who is looks like a different person because he's got makeup on is a terrorist and he blows up a building and um and then uh he has to get his face redone by a plastic surgeon who who works really hard and makes him look almost exactly the same almost exactly the same but yeah. can we back up a little bit from uh, b before we even get to that so you said uh billy d williams and Sil sylvester Stallone, two new york city cops Two New York like City cops. At the yeah. Top of their game, right? They're the best. Actually, Billy D. Williams tells Stallone that he's the be he's one of the best, and they ne he needs to keep being one of the best. Being one of the best at basically a lot of what they're doing is these two cops who are the best that NYPD has to offer uh -huh. are catching street muggers. Right. That's that's what they're doing how does this sound inaccurate to you at this really if you think about it um it made me miss new york city before giuliani got his hands on it i'll tell and, you that well you're coming back it's it's getting it's coming back around oh good <laughs> the 70s are here again so oh, good. welcome back to new york <laughs> um yeah i mean i you know uh there's there's uh no accounting for whoever was the technical advisor on this in terms of any kind of international espionage or cop work. I mean, Rutger Hauer gets his face redone. He's a big, he's a famous international terrorist who's now gone rogue, right? He doesn't work for anybody, but he wants to make a name for himself. So he comes, they find out he comes to the States. Right. And of course, like always happens, they send uh, the head of Scotland Yard to New York to right. talk well, to the police. Here's the thing, though, is they don't find out he's come to the States. They deduce that he comes to the States based on absolutely no evidence whatsoever. A good nose on a cop is, like, very important. <laughs> they had instinct. They had street smarts and instinct. Street, Scotland's Yard smarts. This relates to probably my, my I mean, uh, there are some good lines of dialogue in here, not not my favorite, but a line that really needs to be said now is, um, says, uh, he, once he, I have it written down here somewhere. I, I have too many notes. It's, the problem. it's not comu computer banks, which give total information, is it? <laughs> is that, that, when he said, when he said, we have... <laughs> Computer banks that give total information. Yeah. No. It's a technical term. Do they give total information? Mostly. Yeah. Total yeah. Almost all the time. <laughs> um, I love when Nigel Davenport, who plays like the head of 
I guess Scotland Yard or something, this head of the British terrorist organization to come to train the New York police and how to deal with this terrifying criminal. Yeah. Uh, and they find out that he's had plastic surgery. So Nigel Davenport has to deliver the line. Well, if he's changed his face, he will be more dangerous than ever. <laughs> how he knows that, I don't know. <laughs> um. Uh, okay. okay. Big question for you. And he also says he's only beginning. He's only beginning. Yeah. He's only beginning. Um, how is this not a a canon film group film? Yeah. How did Menachem Golan not direct this movie? It's it's the most canon group movie I, I've ever seen. Really. Um. Why is Lin there's so many questions. Why is Lindsay Wagner in it in two scenes? In two right. Menachem Galan. Which I always like to say if you can't Menachem, join him. Don't join him for sure. <laughs> you won't make it off the set a lot. We both speaking of which, we we both had the pleasure of meeting Menachem Galan. We had the pleasure not only of meeting Menachem Galan, but of spending a summer with Menachem Galan. And an Israeli film crew in Berlin. Which was a remarkable combination. Before the wall came down. So Israelis with Germans behind the Iron Curtain. This was like 19... Summer of 78. All right. Just a couple of years after Munich. After the terrorist attacks at Munich in 76. It was an exciting time for a couple of young lads to be yes. stuck in, in Berlin. <laughs> yeah. Too young to go to the clubs. Couldn't do any of the fun stuff. I went to the clubs a couple of times with Sheldon. I oh, was 18. I was 18. I never knew this. Yeah, I was you 18. Have to tell me the stories when we are done with the show. Because <laughs> yeah. I want to hear all about that. Okay, <clears throat> I have a new regard for you. I have new a new found respect. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, that is good. Can you answer me a question about this movie? Sure. Why is it important that it takes place the day before New Year's? They make a big point of having a card that says, just, you know, December 30, 30th or 30, was it yeah. 31? Yeah, all over the place in this movie that are totally irrelevant. Completely missed. They don't have any points. They and don't you're thinking, any okay, well, New Year's Eve, something going on, like, you know, yeah. Nakatomi Tower. Yeah, come come to LA for Christmas. We'll have a ball. You know, no. Well, I think this January 4th. You know, they had a lot of technical problems on this movie. There were huge issues. Very embattled. They a director got fired a week into production. Um, the first director was fired, and the guy direct. Um, I don't know. You're being you're being very hostile towards a beloved film, and I'm I'm trying to. I'll back off. <laughs> Um, we'll get to my list later. No, it's I have I haven't I'm I I this brought me a lot of joy, but it's ter it's terrible, amazingly bad movie. Um, but they cut a lot of things out. The studio got involved and they took the movie away, and so there was huge chunks missing. They shot more scenes with Lindsay Wagner, apparently. 
Um, so at least her character has a reason to be there other than be a reason for an apartment at the end, because that's the only reason she's in the movie now is to give a reason for an apartment to appear in a film later. And the thing that's sad is she's not a bad actor. No, I didn't say she was bad. <laughs> uh, she's not. She's she could she she she's good. I think the movie. No, but what I'm saying is, I think the movie movie would have improved with a little more of her presence. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna raise you one. Neither is Billy D. Williams, and look what happened to him in this movie. Nobody gets out well in this film. Nobody gets out alive. You would not believe that Billy D. Williams is a good actor from watching this movie. You wouldn't really know that Rutger Hauer was the amazing performer that he is either, but yeah. he probably he gets some. He, he, he comes off Culture of Orange and Spetters. Yeah. Um, he was already a big star, though. He was already a huge star in Europe, and you know, he kind of carried himself that way. I think you can you can see he has a lot of gravitas for his first American movie. He's he's uh, you know. He's Rutger Hauer. I, I, I do think I remember seeing this, and and it was before before Blade Runner came out. So I remember noting he, him. Huh? You think he had the trailer already when they made this movie? <laughs> I don't think so. You know about the trailer, right? I saw the trailer. Yeah, me too. I saw the trailer. Another person in the movie that we actually hung out with. So Matthew and I. Uh, we're also spent another summer, as it happened, in, in Europe. Behind the Iron Curtain. Behind the Iron Curtain this time. Well, kind of. Felt it. It, was, it was before the wall came down. It was before communism fell. No. When we knew Rutger? Yeah, that was before um, 80, because the wall came down in 89. And Sobibor was around 87. Oh, okay. Wow. You're up on your history. You knew you went to school and did all those things. I just watched Nighthawks on Cinemax over and over again. <laughs> and, and, and at this age, sit here try to, and try to defend it publicly, which is a terrible position to be in. <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember our driver, um, uh, Bronco? In, in oh, yeah, I do. I mean, I think about actually. I, I think about the people that we met over there a lot. Uh, Bronco was great, and you know, I mean, we that it's really intense to think about all the stuff that happened there after because we were we were in Belgrade, you know, and this was before all the trouble started there. Yeah, and you know, we the city that we saw. I don't, God knows what would it what what it's like in that area now how different it is you know yeah. um do you remember so what he used to say when we'd be driving and we'd see a restaurant and we'd we'd ask hey is that place any good do you remember <laughs> what he'd say? yeah for me for me it's good for you maybe not so, not so well it <laughs> <laughs> was great that was a crazy movie and Rutger Hauer was uh an amazing what an amazing guy like yeah incredible force of nature yeah. He had the coolest trailer ever. Ever. Yep. 18 wheeler. And that's what he lived in. He didn't stay at the hotel. He lived in that. And the uh the he would make the studio pay for that. Yeah, he he parked it out in the woods and he lived yeah. in a, a, yeah, he's an he was a remarkable fellow. 
Uh, scary man, huge, terrifying. Don't want to make him angry. Dude. Very was very nice to him yeah. at all times. He was very nice to me, but I didn't want to test it. Didn't want to know. Yeah. Um. Okay. Look, we have to talk about this movie. We can't avoid it. I know you're trying to avoid it. You're trying to get okay. out of it. All we right. have to talk about it. This is a classic. This is a classic in one. It's in the canon of one of America's great, great stars. Okay, keep or going. It's one of the biggest stars. We have to talk about Stallone. It's a Sylvester Stallone movie. He was coming off of Rocky II. There wasn't a bigger star at the time. And he chose to do this movie, so we have to respect it. We have to really respect it. Okay. I'm going to tell you what is great about this movie. He did some stunt work around that helicopter that I was like, with, without the safety protocols that they have today, he was doing stuff like don't think Tom Cruise would have done. You mean being raised on a cable carrying a fake baby? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I, I think that was scarier than you than you're giving it credit for. Him dismounting off of the helicopter onto the pad when the helicopter won't even land, that's pretty good. Not shot particularly well. But he did it. That helicopter stunt pilot, amazing. Yeah. amazing. They, 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 I, they, I, they, I'm not that impressed by hopping out of a helicopter onto the pad. What I was, what the the shot that got me, the the, the only time in the whole movie where I stopped and I said, "Okay, that's a good shot," was the the tram and the helicopter that's what i'm talking about that's what i was just talking about that stunt that stunt pilot was amazing. yeah that what that 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 helicopter holding perfectly still looking at the yeah at the, at the tram that that's very dangerous they don't do that anymore raised up by a cable into the tram didn't didn't impress me Okay, gotcha. Did his sunglasses impress you? Because I'd like you to drop a picture here. This movie stars sunglasses, actually. Um, here we go. There's a photograph. You can see there's a there's actually the movie is about a competition between a pair of aviator sunglasses. Rutger Hauer wins that that battle. In my opinion, Rutger Hauer wins the aviator sunglasses uh, competition. Yeah. Because he comes out with these glasses later in the movie. Like, Stallone has his glasses on, like, throughout. And you get kind of sick of it. You're like, eh, I've seen these glasses before. And then Rutger Hauer comes out wearing those. And then it's supposed to be somewhat symbolic. Like, there's shots of them doing the... And putting them on. Like, oh, now something's going to happen. Well, you remember how important aviator sunglasses were back in the in the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, I, I had a pair. Right, so yeah. they didn't help. Did you have those Porsche, those Porsche ones that uh, that Rutger Hauer's wearing? No, I had the Ray Bans. All right. Well, Rutger Hauer wins the the award for best sunglasses. Um, I found that interesting. I think that it's worth talking about the, you know, I mean, I, I do think you're missing one of the interesting things about this movie, though, because like. You don't know if I'm missing it or not. I've got a list. I've got I've got pages here. I've got notes and notes of things to talk about. 
they're just not happy making things. Okay. Necessarily. Okay. Um, you, you, in other words, you feel like you could have spent this time better making more bisquick, bisquick things in your pan, squirting bisquick into a, into a pan and heating it up and making experiments with popsicle sticks was time better spent than this movie. And you're upset about it. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. No, keep going. I want to hear the stuff. I got you know, I, here. I, no, I want to say something in seriousness. Though. I mean, because I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for you, because there was a m movie. Um, I, I don't know if we talked about this on the show, and and maybe we won't talk about it on the show because it might make me look really stupid. But there was a movie that like is a classic movie that I watched, and I got in touch with you and I said, I don't get it. I thought it was a piece of crap. Okay. And you in, in about a minute and 15 seconds said a few things that completely opened my eyes and turned my head around and made me say that movie's a classic and, 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 okay. a and I want to watch it again. I won't be able to do that with this film. <laughs> So, uh, but I'm, I'm I'm here to tell you I'm open to the possibility of that, mm -hmm. in spite of the fact that I have, as a child would say, how many pages of notes do you have about how bad this movie is? I have this many. This many pages. <laughs> um, I think this actually brings up an interesting point because there's different kind of movie lovers. There's different kinds of of. Let me act like this with glasses. <laughs> yes, yes, Peter, indeed. I think that I'm the I'm the kind of movie lover that you are food lover. It is well known. The people that know you amongst your friends that you are basically a human dump truck. That you will eat and and love and talk about any food. It doesn't matter. You you do know what good food is, and you eat good like fancy food or good food, and but you also have an enjoyment and appreciation for like the greasiest hot dog, you know, uh, chili con carne hot dog you can find, and and you would love that and talk about it with a kind of passion that most people would only reserve for you know a a. a, a fine dining experience well can we have a little side uh, bar about this since you've brought yeah. it up yeah because as people know i'm about to drive across the country yeah this is true and um what's going to happen is this i'm eating my way across the united states See, i'm proving that my point stopping and you're not going to like you're not going to Michelin starred restaurants, no, are you? I'm going to Emma Jean's Holland Burger in Victorville. Okay. Do you even know where the where the Michelin restaurants are in this where you're going? I could find them on the Don't Google. Start. You anybody can do that. That's not a fancy thing. Jack Stack in Overland Park, Kansas. El Parasol in Santa Fe. Joe and Aggie's Cafe for Green Chili. 
in Holbrook, Arizona, Floyd and Company Real Pit Barbecue. What do you have the highest hopes for here? What's your uh, What's your real? I am. Uh, I've heard amazing things about Jack Stacks here. Did I share? Are we looking at this? I'm looking at a map right now. Oh, okay. So, uh, and uh, can you see my cursor moving around on it? In the hand? I can see everything. I'm everything oh. very clear. Okay. So I've been told that Jack Stacks here is spectacular, and okay. White House Chicken in Barberton, Ohio. Mm -hmm. um, apparently, they um, apparently they fry that chicken. Did I stop sharing? Yeah. Okay, I need to get back to us. There we are. Apparently, they uh, fry the chicken in in. Uh, like lard or duck fat or so it's supposed to be just insanely good okay well you see how excited you are right now this is this is what i'm talking about so this so so nighthawks is your chicken fried in lard no night nighthawks might be my my like tempura oreos you know like i don't know fried, pickle, fried pickles at the after I, I I enjoy the concept entirely of of watching people try to and fail to make to make a movie. I we okay. know how hard it is to make these films, and one of the reasons is I think you know I'm going to be a lot harder. I'm going to be a lot harder on on movies that should know better, or movies that have the money to know better. This didn't have a huge budget. They were scrambling. It was kind of a New York gritty experience and they went for it. And I like, I like seeing what, you know, a bunch of just nutty people getting together to try to make a cop movie, what, what they end up with. I, it doesn't offend me that it's bad. I actually know the difference between like maybe a good movie like Serpico and this one, which is like, what, what is happening? But it doesn't turn me off or make me like, ah, what is this crap? Like, I, I love it. I want to know about it. I also, I also love individual things in it so much that I don't, I actually do have affection for it. Like, okay. yeah, well, let's, 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 let's hear about those. Let's go through those. Well, do you want to go through the stuff that you love and that is good first? Yeah. Or yeah. do you want to go through the stuff that I'm like, what the hell was that about? Let's, let's like we like end on the bad news. So let's do the good okay. stuff. So so I turn the I turn the microphone over to you. Well, as an example, I sent you a, a clip that I thought represented a scene from the movie that if I just saw this scene, I might go, oh, OK, that's a regular movie. That's that doesn't look like, for instance, it's a movie that starts with Sylvester Stallone in a dress running down, you know, a street in New York. Now, that's a movie you know, I would see. You don't think that's what you're going to get when you see this clip. Right. Is what I'm saying. Okay, so you want me to play the clip that is labeled actually a good scene? Yes, I think okay. that's how I labeled it. All right, here we go. up at the airport and uh, they held me over the weekend the police no worry at all but you still came here now you know i would never tell them anything
go to a better life. Um, all kinds of good stuff in that. All kinds of good filmmaking and all kinds of good stuff. Interesting to note, uh, that was the fantastic Rutger Hauer, as we all know. Um, also, that was uh, he was working with uh, Robert Pugh. Um, and Robert Pugh, who is this, the young uh, IRA guy in the scene with him, who's sweating and interrogated and then gets shot. I actually I, I edited a movie that he was in. Uh, a few years back that my friend Peter Stray directed a movie called uh, um, Alien Party Crashers, which is the name of it here in the States. It's called Canaries in the UK. But Robert Pugh is a great is a great Welsh actor who just happened to be in Nighthawks. And Peter and I watched Nighthawks together last night. At the same time, we were texting each other and talking about the movie while it was going on. And so we have this thing in this history with Robert Pugh, and we love that he's in that movie. And um, I like that scene. I think that scene actually works. Like if someone had just so shown that to me, I wouldn't think it was from, you know, a, a complete disaster of a film that just didn't work. Uh, and you're making a face at me right now, which says you have things that you disagree with and I'm open to it. But if you're going to tell me, if you're going to sit there and tell me that him shooting a submachine gun through a guitar at those guys coming up the steps isn't one of the coolest things that you've seen in a movie in a while. You haven't seen, uh, you, you've seen too many movies. That, no, it was pretty cool. I liked, I liked shooting through the guitar. My question is, most dangerous man in the world, international terrorist, we have found out where he is. Let's send three guys to get him. Yeah. By going up the stairs to ostensibly knock on the door of the apartment where he's attending a party. Okay, you are you are so literal; it's driving me crazy. But <laughs> that part is is very bad. But that's not. But but in a weird way, like I could make the case and argue that that's not the filmmaking part; that's the writing part. Yes, this is that's true. Bad. Yes, yeah. the script is really bad. The script is really yeah. bad. It makes no but, sense. But this is like saying, you know, this would be an amazing human body if somebody had put a skeleton inside it. No, it's like, uh, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you. It's like going to a show off Broadway Yeah, with great acting in it and some terrible writing and some good directing and some bad choreography and going out afterwards and trying to I figure was, out and trying to figure out what was what. I what, was in that show. You, I made. I that's the reason I have an apartment. Is that show? <laughs> All right. Peter says he's known audiences. Craster Game of Thrones. Russell Crowe's first made in Master Commander. Thank you, Peter. Yes, that's true. We don't like fantasy movies here, so please keep your Game of Thrones out of the car. <laughs> you you know better than that. Um, but uh, yeah, no, Robert Pugh, amazing. Uh, that's Maple Dragon. That's Peter. That's Peter who directed the movie that Robert Pugh was in. That I right. and yeah. Um, I feel like your distaste for this movie is coloring your attitude about me and everything. Oh, I, oh, I love I you more. I, I feel like you. you don't even like this show. Like you're just this has soured you on all of it. <laughs> 
Maybe I'm I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> Keep going. Um, I think what's amazing is like that scene, which is maybe innocuous enough, but has some really good moves in it for movies and like shooting through the guitar anytime. I legitimately thought Robert V was sweating his way through that. Rutger Hauer's fine. And then they go to a scene. Well, can we show the scene where it says that, uh, that Stallone stands up? That's a, I sent you something that says uh, he it's stands Stallone up. stand. Yeah. There's a UN benefit at the Metropolitan Museum next week. Those people are already hostages. It's our responsibility to try and stop him. Well, it's not my responsibility to be part of an accidental homicide. Oh, for Christ's sake, De Silva! Will you get out of this cop on the beat mentality? Your wife left you for it. Wasn't that enough? I think that sums it up. Those two scenes together in a movie, you're like, how did, wait a minute, I thought this looked like a sensible movie. And then they cut to this scene and it it doesn't make any sense. He stand, the oh, stand for Christ's sake, the silver. Nigel, Nigel Davenport in that scene is just, all he's doing is thinking about the mini bar at the, at the, at the hotel back at, you know, the Crown Plaza. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, there's a scene. I sometimes something so bad, I f I have a deep fondness for it. I don't. I can't hate it. It's just like it's so. It's so bad, but it's trying. It's trying. You know. Yeah. All right. I'm I'm gonna lie back here for a second. And let you let you tell me why maybe I'm mistaken and I could have spent my time better. Okay, well, I, I'll pick up, I'll start with something that I actually liked. Uh, aside from the helicopter hovering stock still by the tram. Okay. There was one other shot that I thought was very interesting. Um, uh, they actually, at one point, got a little bit of interesting subtext into the movie. Because the the emotional conflict for Stallone in taking on this job is that he says, you're training us to be assassins and the only difference between him and us will be the badge. So there, there's sort of a hint that, that he's had enough of the killing. Yeah, they make that, they make that fairly clear. Yeah. He was in Vietnam, right? And didn't. And he was in Vietnam. He had 56 kills, and he doesn't want to just kill people anymore. And there's the scene where he stops Billy Dew Williams from killing the guy at the at the beginning in the in the drug bust when Billy Dew Williams is going to kill that guy because he's mm -hmm. lost him, right? Um. So then, after he says that thing about you're training us to be assassins, and the only difference between him and us will be the badge. There is a scene where Nigel Davenport is giving a lecture, one of his many incredible lectures on how to catch terrorists. And he's um, talking 
and Wolfgar's face, because there's a slideshow, is projected onto him as he's talking. Mm. It's in the beginning of that of that clip. Of that clip, and so that that subtext of no difference between the killer and the people who are trying to kill the killer was. I, I'm hoping that 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 was. A, a conscious choice on somebody's part rather than wow an let's let's yes okay i hear you i noticed that too and i really like that but i'm gonna go one more and say i was actually pretty impressed by a lot of the cinematography in this movie considering uh what i knew to be a very hard shoot to actually get to actually do this is actually kind of interesting cinematographer James A. Contner. Again, not somebody I knew until I looked him up, and then I realized I did know him. Um, oh, that's director. He became a director, which is actually interesting. Not a lot of DPs going to do a lot of directing, I guess. But Nighthawks was his uh, third movie. Cruising with Al Pacino was his first movie as a, as a cinematographer. So huh. he was doing something right to get that job in the first place. Um, then he did Nighthawks as his third film. He did Jaws 3D, uh, Where the Boys Are, The Flamingo Kid. He did a lot of episodes of Miami Vice, a lot of episodes of Crime Story, Monkey Shines. Went on to do a lot of really good-looking stuff. And there's a lot of really good cinematography in this movie, actually. It, it, I mean, technically, is some pretty inventive stuff. I don't know if there's a lot of storytelling going on, but that shot was great. I love yeah. that. Reminded me a lot of the If Chris File. Do you remember that movie? Yeah. That's that's one of my favorite spy movies, and that was seemed to be a steal directly out of that. Um, okay. Yeah, that was great. That was a great thing in this movie. So... That was good. Um, can we talk a little bit about the bandage around Billy Dude Williams' head? Yes, but we need to talk about other things around that because there's, yes, my other favorite, one of my favorite things is surrounding that experience. So, why does Billy D. Williams have a bandage around his head? Do you because remember? His face slashed. Right. Rutger Hauer slashes his face in the subway and after a chase sequence. Right. And, and later, says, if 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 you didn't have lightning fast reflexes or something, it would have been much worse. How? What? Turning what? my face? What? <laughs> he didn't <laughs> reflex yeah, anything. Man. Sense. He got slapped in the face. So okay, there's bad dialogue, and then there's that, and that's not a bad movie. When it's that bad, it's not a bad movie anymore. That's like <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say. Okay. <laughs> um, but the, he gets slashed in the face, but in the same scene, tells his partner that he should have shot first, which is the only time that I've ever seen that in a movie. He doesn't go like, you did the right thing, man. He literally turns to him and goes, to hell with you. You should have done, you should have shot the guy first. Um, what else? The, um, oh, uh, so nothing but antagonism through the whole movie between Nigel Davenport 
and Sylvester Stallone. Until? And all of a sudden, Sylvester Stallone says to him, <laughs> you want to get some Chinese food later? Yes, I don't know. I said, oh, Nigel Davenport is about to die. <laughs> you are wrong. <laughs> let's go to uh let's there's something from that sequence which i think you'll appreciate there's a photo i clipped called the walkie talkies oh my god i had that written down too like where these are like walkie the biggest walkie talkies i've ever seen <laughs> walkie talkies from the flintstones it was like the korean war <laughs> look at this if it had been a week earlier it would have been the walkie-talkies that you it, from World War II that they have to wind up before yeah. they make the call. I was amazed, and that's not the only ones. There's like two other giant walkie-talkies in that sequence. I just didn't have time to grab them all. Yeah, everybody's so, walking around surreptitiously with walkie-talkies yeah. the size of their heads. It's pretty great trying to be undercover about it. Yeah, he'll never know we're here. <laughs> like a caterer with a giant. It, so okay, I didn't mean to interrupt, but you had you were uh, roll. Well, let me see. Uh, what? Um, so the Chinese food later. Uh, do, 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 do. The helicopter. Um, the biggest walkie-talkies I've ever seen. Oh, <laughs> uh, something that got dropped. Uh, you're talking about scenes that got cut. Clearly, a scene that got cut because in, in the in the dialogue between um, Sylvester Stallone and Lindsay Wagner when he goes to her job, there's this whole big thing about well, let's have dinner. You want to go have dinner, and she says, "I'll make reservations." And he says, no, I'll make the reservations, right? So the only reason to have a discussion about the reser who's going to make the reservations is if it's a plot point that he's made the reservations and because he made the reservations in his name, now I'm waiting for the moment where the killer finds out that he's going to have dinner with his girlfriend at this restaurant because the reservations are in his name. Yeah. And it never happens. No. So why do we have a scene where there's a whole discussion about a restaurant and reservations? Yeah. Well, it was cut out. They shot it. I'm sure they did. And the reservations were probably talked about because there was some, he was trying to show her that he had class and could make call a good restaurant. I bet you that was what it was. Yeah. Okay. Because I know they cut stuff out about about her. There were scenes that she, she did not accept this movie based on these two scenes of big, of just like, yes, I'll see you at the restaurant. That never happens. Right. Lindsay Wagner was a pretty big star when she made this movie. She wasn't just going to do those two scenes. It's a nightmare for her, this movie. Yeah. It's awful. Because there's no closure. There's no reason <clears throat> to be there. They don't even have a relationship that you see. No. Doesn't make any sense at all. No. Um, although this movie at another like half hour, 40 minutes would be pretty rough. I don't know if you'd need more of this movie. Yeah. It works at the length it is. 
Uh, I have a couple of other little things. Um, I want my eyes uh, to be made blue with contact lenses. And the, the uh, plastic surgeon moves in and does this whole thing of like looking at his eyes and raising up like you don't have to do that to know whether or not you can make somebody's eyes like do contact lenses make your eyes blue or don't they you don't need to are you you an ophthalmologist (laughs) okay oh oh we're going there your honor i rest my case this man is not a doctor okay um i've played a lot of doctors and then um uh one one thing which is just an observation of an of something interesting I'm a stewardess. And that was interesting because you don't say that anymore. There are no stewardesses anymore. No, that's, that's true. That's been not for a long time. That's true. So that was that was fine at the time, but it was interesting. But then, you know, there's somebody in this movie who we have not talked about at all. Uh, I know who you're going to say, and I'm going to say one thing. It's nice to see her with a head of hair. Yes, it is. Um, yeah, Persis Kambata. I don't Persis know. Kambata, I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name right. But Persis right. Kambata, who was in, whose big claim to fame was playing um, the the uh, member of the uh, crew of the Enterprise in the first Star Trek movie when they finally came back, the one who gets taken over and becomes the the li- liaison for V'ger. Basically, be, oh yeah, I, I thought she became V'ger, but she's basically... She, uh, she gets yeah. taken over by V'ger and speaks for V'ger. Uh, a movie I actually like a lot. Um, it's, it's people, Star Trek fans don't like that movie for some reason, but I, I've always been oh, a big fan. They're back. They're back. Uh, yeah. There is Stephen Collins in it, which changes things now a little bit. Um, but then her career, she went on to do, after this, just a, a stellar trajectory to her career. Yeah, what, did, what was she up to? Uh, so Nighthawks was 1981, which catapulted her into Megaforce in 1982. Another classic. Which led to Warrior of the Lost World in 1983. The, the hits keep coming. And then in 1980, uh, uh, I think she was tired from battling in the lost world, took a five-year hiatus, I think. Okay. Then, or I don't know if she took a hiatus, but her next big hit was She-Wolves of the Wasteland in 1988. I didn't see that one. And sadly, she passed away quite young. I didn't know that. Of a heart attack. Now I'm looking at her creds right now and and uh, i'm surprised because i always assumed that she had a career in in another country i i assumed that she was a star elsewhere <clears throat> and um i'm surprised to see that she didn't do that many movies interesting uh i looked online for information about this i and i uh, i had heard i remember hearing that there was a nose candy problem but i don't know whether or not that's true well i don't know 
reason I'm talking about it is because you actually can't defame the dead. Okay. Well, if, uh, I keep my big fat yap shut for just, fear of getting sued. Just because we should change the subject because that's really terrifying and awful that we'd be talking about this lovely person that way. But Bowles uh, says, uh, hey, that's the thing I wanted to say, the restaurant. Yeah. She wanted to know about the restaurant. About which restaurant? I'm sorry. The, the reservations. When I, the, oh, the, yeah. Okay. The, yeah. Yeah. Disappeared. I, I really think that that had something to do with him trying to look like he could be a cool guy and pick a good restaurant for her because she was a right. fancy lady. Right. And then and then we're in a disco and it's 1981. Okay. And what music is playing? Just some hot tunes, man. Those some great tunes. And brown playing. sugar. Brown sugar is playing. Well, they have the rights to that. They're going to do it. Yeah. But there isn't a disco song in this movie. No. In fact, it's got one of the craziest scores ever. The music. Emerson. The music in this movie is insane. Keith Emerson. Uh, you know, I mean, I, it, was, it took a lot of courage to do a full acid jazz score, I'll admit. It wasn't a popular form, and they went for it. And any movie that gives the helicopter its own song, I'm 100% for that. Did you notice that when the helicopter showed up? It had its own song started, and the guy went crazy. The music went completely crazy because it was like he was excited there was a helicopter in this movie. The score is really unhinged. It's very strange. At the it end, at the home Emerson of Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Well, right? Case closed. We figured that one out. Now we know why it's completely unhinged. Um, bongos at the end home invasion? Don't understand. Choices, man. Don't understand the choices. Um, I would uh do you have do you have any other positive things to say? Well, one other th question. Most dangerous terrorist in the world. Yes. Really guy. Yeah. He leaves the map behind for them to find. Okay. So everybody makes a mistake. <laughs> the, the real the amazing thing that he does in this movie, though, the real amazing thing the character pulls off that I, I i don't know why is it more discussed is how how the hell he has a he has a a case of guns the size of a coffee table hiding in that in that sportis's apartment for like a week and i don't know how she hasn't stumbled upon it but way before she does it's literally like four foot long case yeah leading up to my favorite prop what's your do you have a favorite prop in the movie well, but another thing about that case is we literally find out about that case immediately after we're told by nigel davenport that he's completely cut off he has no contacts and no access to anything case of guns except a bodega in washington yeah. heights yeah. where somehow he gets a case of guns and hand grenades well you know it's a good bodega. props you want to go over I just think that the, the best prop goes to, I have a picture, I send it to you, but I, I always like to find the best prop in the movie. And prop to the props. Here we go. It's, it's a briefcase full of hand grenades. I found that just delightful. I love that. Um, that he would go through 
you know, those specifications to make a briefcase of hand grenades. I, I love that. Um, there's some good set dressing in this movie as well. I didn't take a picture of it, but I thought the phone placement in her apartment on the box that looks like a Dybbuk box with a candlestick on it was the worst set dressing I'd ever seen. I didn't know what happened there um, at all. <laughs> <laughs> Truly moment after moment that... Isn't it like at the end of the movie, they just decided to stop, like they got tired and they were just like, the last yeah. scene, they, they, it seems like they were just, they were like, okay, just get shot and all right, we'll go through the door, kind of, we'll come around the side and then we'll just, it'll, it'll be a shot in the kitchen, which is about 20 yards away from the front door of the apartment yeah. of, of the brownstone. Yeah. And that's going to propel you 20 yards down the hallway and through the front door. It's going to be an interpretive dance down the wall as he's shot and bleeding and spin down towards the back of the house. Yeah. Which oddly is very similar to his death in Blade Runner in a way. Like he has a lot of moves in Blade Runner like that, which I was convinced that they had seen and said, try to redo it. But he did Blade Runner after this. After this. Um, Did you, uh, spoiler alert, if you... That's all done. Yeah. Did you know at the end? Um, it was not. I had seen it before, and I don't remember. I probably was surprised as hell the first time I saw it. I I guess it, I was. I think I would be surprised because I don't think I wouldn't even think that the movie would, would be that dumb. Like I wouldn't think. Even by that point, I was giving it enough credit not to not to do that. Um, this brings up something I do find interesting about the movie, though, and why I think it would be, for instance, a movie that you could teach, you would actually teach this film in college. Okay, so I'm going to use this movie this semester. I'll, I'll make my students watch it. And well, I'll make them watch this episode of our show. I don't think that you can... grade is going to depend on. They're going to have an exam on this discussion. I, I I've already told my students that they should see it, so I need to make a case why this is good, and I we have okay. to fight this out to the death. Okay. I'm not standing behind this movie. I'm totally joking. It's it's just a terrible movie. I just love it. That's the only difference between us. I get it. I I I think it's awful, but I I could see it again tomorrow. I I really could. Um. Uh. Yes, Lin Bet Bull says, Lindsay Wagner said, your favorite Italian restaurant. She didn't even know its name. Kind of lazy writing. Yes, Bet, there's some lazy writing in this movie. Very predictable ending. Hardly an ending. I just was amazed that they thought that would that would do for an ending. Yeah. You just said something, though, really interesting that gave me an idea. You were talking about making your students watch this movie. I think we should have some sort of, like... Uh, Face off between my film students and your film students. Um, well, they're gonna they're, they're gonna make a great grindhouse movie in my class. I know they'll they'll do something exciting with this. They'll be able to make something out of this experience for sure. I'm trying to look at my notes down here, and I, I don't have anything other uh, other than a lot of love for this movie. I, I have nothing great to say about it. I have things that I love that I can't even explain how much I love. I love 
Rutger Hauer in a three-piece suit drinking champagne by himself at a disco. I found that to be just yes. teasing and funny. Yes. Um, okay. You know, there are shots where the fact that the whole thing hinges on on a tram to Roosevelt Island is is hysterical. It's really hysterical. I mean, it's deeply funny. And yeah. And every time they cut to Billy D. Williams with the with Joe Spinell and all the cops in yeah. the tower that controls Roosevelt Island, like the radio tower or whatever, and they're just these big wide shots of them all just standing there uncomfortably, like they didn't like quite know what to do. And I just think there's so much awkwardness in this movie, it's hard not to kind of love it. Um What is the okay? Here's what you could teach in this. This is what makes this movie really weird, though. Like weirder than the typical Hollywood movie that they might be making at this time. And by weird, I mean, like, you're not unexpected. Yeah. For a cop movie, there's a really interesting. I don't. I'm not going to say it's well handled, but an interesting um, uh, homoeroticism to it, and and issue about male femininity male issues of femininity and masculinity that i think it's interesting that in 1981 they were going to go there less it makes more sense when you realize that cruising had already come out which was you know uh not a very beloved movie but a movie that at the time was dealing with the underground gay club scene in New York and cops undercover there, right? Right. Some of the first movies that we're talking about, um, well, that was one of the first movies that was maybe a Hollywood movie openly talking about the gay subculture. I don't think it did it well, but it was it it, it was groundbreaking in that way. This movie was using weird like visual metaphors and stuff about it. The fact that we first see Stallone dressed as a woman in the movie. I mean, it's funny and everything. It's like a crazy cult thing in the movie, but it's also interesting that they wrote that, that the first time you see the character, he's dressed as a woman. And his secret weapon is his ability to inhabit the mind of a woman or the, the body of a woman, because at the end, he foils the criminal by dressing like a woman again, which is not great screenwriting, but it's very interesting that they were trying to use some ideas like that. And I've backed it up by the scene at the disco. It's awful police work. It's the worst undercover police work you've ever seen, but there's something else going on. There's this really beautifully shot, very, very complicated scene to actually shoot of them slowing into slow motion as he comes across the floor when he Stallone sees Rutger Hauer across the dance floor. And there's this kind of, you know, sexy romantic disco vibe and music playing and flashing lights and everything and everything kind of coalesces and the two of them end up in this staring match in these long with long lenses all this compressed background with beautiful lights and disco lights around them and everything slows down and they kind of gaze at each other and that's the moment where i was like they're actually trying they're trying to do things with subtext here they're trying to talk about these characters in a different way it, it was it was unique for i think a cop movie that otherwise is about uber masculinity to without making a joke out of any of that sexualize their first meeting that way 
like it's this romantic interlude with them and have this thread of Stallone busting criminals by dressing as a woman. It's very interesting. And it reminds me of like classic giallo movies, like very Italian thing to do, like in in Argento movies. Um, So that part of it, I'm going to argue, is actually really interesting about the movie. Just maybe not, you know, handled with with great uh, aplomb, but makes the movie worth it and makes it makes it something worth talking about as a thing of its time more than for instance uh you know um i don't know like hard to kill or some or, or something that was like you know just your basic pop <clears throat> movie they're striving they were striving to do something interesting and weird and and i don't think they got as weird as they wanted to but i i give them credit for that I know that's not as good a case as I made for the other movie, <laughs> but I'm gonna. I tried my best. <clears throat> yeah. Um, shout out to Lou Jajamo in the casting. Oh, Lou Jajamo did the casting. I didn't know. I didn't. Oh, Chris Corman did the casting, and Lou Jajamo did additional casting. Okay. I must have been early in his career. A lot of amazing New York faces in this movie. Joe Spinell, I mean, come on. Joe, Spinell. Joe Spinell's in, you got to be excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. From Rocky. From Rocky and Godfather. And from Godfather, shooting in the, the, the shooting in the uh, revolving door. Yep. And in yeah. the classic uh, New York Grindhouse horror movie, Maniac. Oh, I don't know that one. Yeah. Um, there was one other shot in it that I loved, which is at the very end when he's coming up to when uh, Rutger Hauer's coming up the stairs to the brownstone. And there's a shot through the front door with the glass windows, mm-hmm. and they've they've lit him from behind so that we see him, and his shadow is enormous. Mm. Remember that? I, I don't actually, but I but so um, the, the, there's like him and the danger. Yeah, you know? yeah. It, it's 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 this immense shadow of him coming up the stairs. Uh, that's going to be my viewing tomorrow because I'm seeing it again tomorrow. I have to see it again. I would watch this movie again tomorrow. You would. I huh. would. I literally would. I mean, I, I'm not. I. I it's really, I, yeah, I, I, I really do love a chili dog as much as I love a filet mignon. Okay. Um, all right. You're saying this isn't even a chili dog. What you're saying I, is, this is garbage and you wouldn't eat it if it was food. <laughs> this wasn't a chili dog to me. Okay. Uh, Cause uh, I'm trying to think, what do I consider a chili dog? That's a good question. What what is a chili dog movie? What's a chili dog for me? Um, well, I can I can go to television for chili dogs. Uh, like I can yeah. think of of some movies like. Uh, um, like. Uh, 
there's this uh, Nathan Fillion was on a series called Castle. Yes. Which was pretty well written. It was a huge hit for a long time. And now he's on this new series called The Rookie, which is really formulaic um, network television cop show. Mm-hmm. And yet I, I love it. I, I mean, because it's, it is, it's just candy to me. Um, nothing, it's not deep. It, you know, you're not going to be uh, assessing it on its artistic um, magnum. I'll give you that magnum's a chili dog. Magnum P.I. Magnum's a chili dog. And I, lo- and I love it. I love, sh- and, and, and the rookie is like Magnum now. You know, it's it's really good. But gonna, let's see, I gotta argue with you on this though, because because okay, Magnum PI wasn't a chili dog. Magnum PI is like it's like a blue plate special. Okay, all right. Because go. because because a chili dog is Simon and Simon. Let's face it, a chili dog is is Simon and Simon or the A team. Because Magnum was a great show, man. It was a great show. Magnum PI had a mythology. It had, you know, it had a lot of character depth. There's a lot of people that could make fun of that. But the fans of that show know it was actually a really, really deep show in its own way. So I get what you mean, but I would say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I, I get what you mean. But I think what you're saying is that in order for you to enjoy the experience of watching it, it has to match. It has to meet a certain level of of technical proficiency and intelligence for you to feel like you're going to get something out of the experience. Otherwise, it's kind of a waste of your time. Well, I feel like there's got to be at least a a nod to to. Like this felt to me like like they didn't even do the most basic attempt to learn any like to even make Rutger Hauer a dangerous international like so many bad, so bad screenwriting absolutely yeah I, yeah I and I think I think actually when we get down to it, it it's the script more than anything that that that, that really does seem to bother you when that's not tight you get very upset because if 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 the script was what was better then i might be able to enjoy all of the bad cheesy crap that sylvester stallone was doing and everything else um okay i think and, there's, there's okay and that may be my my character flaw that it's really hard for me to get over somebody when I feel like the like I can accept I can accept an actor not being up for a role or trying something that doesn't work but when I feel like the writer didn't even I mean this was obviously before Google but you know this is like somebody who didn't it's like he didn't even freaking read the day of the jackal before making this movie i get you yeah no he didn't the script is ghastly but i think one of the differences is maybe 
in how we're able to maybe separate how we watch movies because this is an interesting conversation because everybody kind of watches stuff in a different way and we have our own ways that we watch it and we turn on by different kinds of movies we actually do have a very different set of movies that we love dearly. yeah very different you no know? um and for me i don't if 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 there's something really cool about the way somebody's shooting something that's enough for me i don't need if the script is bad okay i'll find something else to enjoy about thinking about like the costuming the cost stallone's costumes in this movie i mean i can i can actually get pleasure out of seeing the work that went into that insane insanity um i think about the fact that that dp that that crew had to get up just as early as a movie as people making a shooting a good script right? right these poor guys had to get up you know and do and make that movie but they still got up every day and and every day they they got together to figure out how to shoot this scene and in that this this film has a lot of really fun kinetic movie production um technique and stuff going on in it in that kind of handmade grindhouse way so i can really table bad screen a bad script i mean i of course want to see a great movie with a great script but when it's not happening i really do find that i can get just as much pleasure out of watching it for you know design elements or 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 thinking about how they were able to actually get those helicopter shots back in 1981 where it's the timing like the fact that they did that over roosevelt island at all like there were no you think about the safety protocols that they have now but like this stuff never would never happen right so i also like the time capsule part of it that it represents looking at a way that movies were made that just doesn't happen anymore you know that is really cool and i love watching stuff for, i can get excited about just watching stuff from that level too um so i just think that's interesting uh, how we you know how different people approach particularly well, I, still, I still respect you this okay no i i do i do I mean, it, 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 that you, you, you actually put your finger on something really, really smart is that 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 does get in the way for me and it, it can blind me to almost anything else. Right. And um, and I don't think that's as a result of me teaching that. I think it's the other way around. It's I think I teach that. I think I've ended up teaching that and th that's why they gave me this job is because that's that is so much what I see and what I focus oh, on. Oh yeah, you have a tremendous ability to see that very yeah. quickly and 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 parse that and understand the the themes of a movie and 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 the writing of it and the construction of it from that point. But that's why I love talking about movies with you is because because of that I so often won't see other stuff that might be extraordinary i got you yeah i tend i mean i think like that's mike that's our cat he's fine if anybody's hearing that he likes to sing honestly it's scary when it happens in the middle of the night but 
Um, <clears throat> thank you, buddy. That was good. Nice job. Uh, <laughs> oh, there, um, there's, yes. Well, we're not we're not quite wrapping up yet because I want to share something with you and the audience. Well, why don't you? Uh, what is it? Get me out of this hole because I don't. I have nothing. It's the present that uh, that's on its way to you. Oh yeah, you said something about a present. I'm like, where's this present? I've heard everything. I've heard There's about the present that's on its way to you. Which after our last show, which was about Silverado, yeah, I went online and desi designed a present for you, and it's ah. on its way. But I'm going to I'm going to show it to you. I now. Can't wait to see what this is, man. The audience. I'm, I don't know. I have a kind of clue what this is. Um, it's a poster for you. Oh, you didn't! Wow. Wait a minute. Ah, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> so it's things that are in Silverado and things that are things not, not in Silverado. In Silverado. I love that. Yeah. Someone yells stampede, <laughs> and there is a stampede. I love it. And it's That's big. Great. It's a full poster size. It's a, it's a big poster. Backdrop for the show. <laughs> um, no bad Indians, no Indians at all. <laughs> yeah. uh, no galvanized bathtub scene. <laughs> Uh, what other ones do I think are funny? Um, dumb wagon train people. Yep. <laughs> I'm glad you like that list. I was proud of it. And this is oh, fantastic. I was very proud of this list. It's a phenomenal list. I love this. Close up of a guy spitting a plucky homesteading wife. <laughs> it's, got every, it's got almost everything in it, that movie. Yep. There's and then I added something because we we had talked about it, but we didn't have a thing to call it. So I called it a hoot and holler shoot 'em up. That's that would be the name. That's what we call. That's what I called it. And you got to fall through the balcony through railing on there. Yeah, good. Added that. No sad waving child. <laughs> <laughs> oh. This so is great. Uh, Thank you so much. I can't wait to. This is great, man. That's on its way to you. I'll have to. Uh, I will have to mount this behind me when we do. When yeah. next time we do the show. That's I'm great. gonna. If if I get if I ever get my own office at Chapman University, I'm I'm ordering a print of that for the office. That's great. Thank you, man. I can't wait to get that. That's great. That's great. Um. So. We don't have a movie for for we haven't picked one for next week yet. We haven't picked one for next week. Um, um, and, and there's uh, one that keeps turning around in my mind. Dependent uh, on the guest that I haven't seen it. I haven't seen. I don't know if it's one that's of interest to you. Light sleeper. You know, it's not even. I, I know that title, but I don't. I I would totally see it because I can't even picture what that movie is right now. Willem Dafoe and uh, Dana Delaney, I think. Oh, and you know Dana Delaney. I I uh, I I I I do. 
Um, Amelia worked with her as well. I got to work with her for three, well, for three months on Dinner with Friends, and then I've worked with her a couple of times since. Oh, are you kidding me? Let's, I, I totally see this. I, I've never seen this movie, and it's a Paul Schrader movie. And I, yeah, I, I've I, never seen it either. Great. I'm, I'm totally into that. Fantastic. Do you All think, right. do you think that, do you think there'd be any shot that she might come on the show? Uh, I'll reach out to her. I mean, I don't mean to call you out or anything, but if you're mentioning like your friends with Dana Delaney and we're going to see your movie, maybe she'd want to talk to us. I'll, I'll reach out to her and see if she wants to, uh, it couldn't hurt. She called worst that can happen is would she say, would she say, no, um, here's a restraining order. Don't talk to me anymore. You're under arrest. That's the worst. We went, thing. We went to the same college. As I said, she might not want to see you. She no, might not want to see you anymore. We weren't there at the same time. There may be a good reason why you're not hanging out a lot. So I don't want to put you on the spot, but it'd be great if she was on the show. She's America's sweetheart. What are you talking about? Um, so, well, I, I think, I think you don't have to convince me to see Light Sleeper. That's actually something that I should see anyway, because I've never seen it. So. So, ladies and gentlemen, next week, Light Sleeper. Paul um, Schrader's film from 1992. Yeah. Um, so, uh, please, if you're watching, uh, the people who are watching have probably already subscribed. But if you're not watching it live and you're watching the replay, please subscribe to this channel. And uh, because Tony and I are always going to be talking about movies and our brother Adam is going to be joining us. And yeah. who knows who's going to be on as a guest? We're going to be. We got guests coming up. I we mean, got we got cool people coming up. Yeah, uh, I think we're going to. Uh, we're talking to Ari Gross about being on when we do um, uh, uh, Coupe de Ville. We're going to talk to. Um, yeah. Well, we well uh, we want to do um, the paper, and uh, my wife is in that movie has some great stories about that i know she'd love she's to talk to can you get her for the show i can contact her i can't i can't you can't guarantee that she'll, I can't be, guarantee on. she'll be on it you know you can talk to her people she hasn't said what she thinks about this show yet so i don't yeah, know okay she won't she hasn't talked to me since i've started okay right um yeah but there's some there's some fun people uh yeah. that we've got but uh yeah i'll get in touch with dana and we'll see if she'll uh and if she won't, I'm going to come up with some lie about why she's not on the show next week. You know, I'm going to say, oh, she's in Bolivia. So, so say something embarrassed. Just say something. You'll basically blackmail her and say that. No, she is a, she's a lovely lady. Okay, don't do that. Don't blackmail a lovely lady. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, great. This has been a long show. I mean, I know we're talking. I could talk for another three hours about this movie, but we're not going to do that. <laughs> Please don't. Matthew doesn't want me to talk anymore. <laughs> so. Oh, hey, before we go, did you get the present I sent you? Oh, I did. I did. It's fantastic. What? You, you want to tell people about it? Well, uh, yeah, I opened the mail and uh, I got this really cool poster that uh, my brother made for me, which was uh, in honor of our Silverado episode. Last where, week, right? where we discussed all the amazing things that are in Silverado that are in all the Westerns ever made. Uh, Matthew made this poster that has the list of everything that's in Silverado. Yes. And so, um, 
if you're a fan of Westerns, it's a must have. And now it's available. Uh, we have a little merch store that people can get to through our website. Indeed. Yeah. So go check that out at arkinbros.com. We'll have stuff coming down the pipeline too. new stuff every so often. So keep checking back. Um, so thanks, buddy. This was great. And uh, I'll fun. see you next week for yeah. um, Light Sleeper. Yeah. And with or without Dana Delaney, we're going to do this. With or without Dana Delaney, it is Light Sleeper next week. So thanks a lot, everybody. Good night. Good night. Thanks. You've been listening to the Arkin Brothers talk about movies. That's my brother, Matthew Arkin. And that's my brother, Anthony Arkin. And we are interesting, irreverent, and irrelevant. But you can follow us on Instagram anyway. You can also subscribe to our newsletter and check out our merch. And you can do it all on our website. Just follow the link on your podcast app. Or if you really want to stalk us, head over to arkinbros.com. You'll learn more about us than anyone would ever want to know.